0: You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So, Shannon, I think we got to just jump right in.
1: Um, okay. Well, first, can I say um, I had such a great time with you in Nashville.
0: Yeah, that was a, it. Was, was a lot radio of fun. Radio booth. Yeah, last yep. week.
1: Yeah, talking to lots and lots of pastors and counselors and coaches and people were so impressed with the workshop that you did on clone my practice.
0: It was good. Really yeah, good the, there was, yeah, that was yeah that that week is always a lot of fun, um,
1: very uplifting.
0: Cool.
1: Yeah, it was cool to hear you talk about just the journey of Sexy Marriage Radio and how far it's come and how. Both of our minds have really been blown. We had no idea that there was such a felt need in the marketplace for this kind of information. Yeah,
0: there there definitely is. And where we're heading today with this episode, uh, you talk about a felt need. Um, This is something that is, I I think, uh, pegging a lot of people and a lot of people struggle with. But this is Sexy Marriage Radio, so we're glad that people take the time out of their their day and their week to spend it with us. So one of the things you can do that we love is hearing from our listeners. Feedback at com is how you can give us a shout out, ask your questions, uh, give us your comments, concerns, criticisms, anything that you've got. Uh, feel free to send them our way. We do read them all, and some of them become shows like today. Um you can also jump on iTunes. Leave any kind of review, comments. Uh, help us climb the charts. We're almost to 400 reviews. Wow! Or, or comment, not comments, but reviews on iTunes. And so let's get over that awesome. hump. That's uh, if you like the show, hop on there because we do love when uh, the word is spread further and further. Indeed. So this is something. Um, this is going to take some time. I mean, we were talking about this before we hit record, and. This is uh, an email that just came in within the last couple of weeks that uh, really touches on uh, some issues that I think we all may feel in married life at times or seasons because you know things get overwhelming, um, stress and burdens. But then there's also a, a percentage of marriages that this is the world they live in. And, right. and they feel really stuck. And, and let me kind of frame it this way, I think, to help kind of put it in a better perspective. The idea that um, when somebody comes across Sexy Marriage Radio and they start hearing what we talk about and, and uh, the, the different lens through which we may uh, pose some of the issues and some of the things we're going to address, I think it could then make it magnify this struggle. Mm. because now all of a sudden they're like, you know, how many emails have we received of, I really struggle to listen because of the hope that you guys bri- bring up, and I just feel like we could never get there. And Right,
1: that, that it inspires hope in them, but then they think, but my spouse would never get right. on board. Right, I It breaks my heart to hear how many people have become binge listeners but haven't even been able to admit to their spouse that they listen to this show because yep. they feel as if their spouse would just be completely um, uh, not on board.
0: right? <laughs> no, yeah. no I, I get it. And so this is a struggle. And so this is one of those uh, topics when when you're talking about the differences, a, a, a great difference in levels of desire and interest. And this isn't just the desire in sex. This is also the desire to talk about it and to to address the issues that we have, because there's differences in desire levels on that. As well, so let me kind of just give the highlights of this longer email, and then and then I'm really let's just
1: assign him a pseudonym so that when we keep saying he or her, people know who we're. Let's just call him Peter. How's that?
0: (laughs) Peter, that works for me. That's yeah, not his name, uh, but this did come into feedback at sexymarriageradio.com, and so the the particulars are they've been married for over 20 years to a really good woman. They're good Mm -hmm. friends and great roommates. They have kids. But they've never really had a sex life that Peter found satisfactory. They were both raised conservative evangelical culture, so they never slept together before marriage. And they think they had sex. He thinks he remembers having sex twice on their honeymoon. So from the very beginning, he was the one more willing to discuss the issues, not just sexual ones, but all of them. But from the very first week, he thought something might be amiss. He would try to discuss their sexuality, and she would they say things like "You want it too much" or. Several years later, that changed into, I'm just not that into sex. After that, it became a process of just avoiding the conversation altogether. Many times, she suddenly didn't feel good when it was time to go to bed. And of course, I was young and didn't deal with the issues effectively. In fact, I still struggle. So fast forward 20 years, story remains similar, but now there's more excuse, there are no more excuses from her, just silence when I try to bring up sex in any way even when i suggested listening to a show that we that we have she offered no feedback just silence so one sided talk th- though what what i was just listening to i want to be heard but nothing else the practical result of all the ways she's responded when i try to bring up sex i now realize are the same to shut down the conversation to not engage in it so they have sex maybe 3 or 4 times a month so we're talking weekly ish
1: which and, some people would consider, wow, sure. I give anything to have sex weekly, so it's all relative. Sure. But still, I hear the cry of his heart, of, but I want to be more connected to her. Sure. I want to have more conversations. And, and yeah.
0: the interesting thing is, I love his phraseology, and this is his reading and mapping of her. So this is his perception. So Peter says, I feel like this is her chosen amount that will let her still feel like she's an attentive wife, which ah. is an interesting read
1: doles it out, um, just enough to, to satisfy, but not really satisfy.
0: Right, and, and she says, he says, all the plumbing works. Everyone has an orgasm, usually if desired, and it can sometimes even be fun with all, with all the silence from her. We can never do anything new or different. She won't perform oral sex, although once when I suggested it in an attempt at a discussion, she said she's not against the concept, but it's never been acted on. So if, if something's suggested in a sexual encounter, it has quickly made it end in awkward silences. He's gone down on her and enjoys giving her pleasure in this way, but she usually makes sure her body language tells me it's a no-go. I've told her it's not a quid pro quo thing, that it's just, I just like to do it, but I'm not sure she allows herself to get into it. So the thing is, he's like, his question is not really about oral sex or any other sexual acting out in any way or... I mean, he's glad with a three or four times a month if she was engaging with new ideas or attempted, or they could at least talk about it. So here's, here's the crux of it. All right, Shannon? Okay. So after so many years of this silent treatment, I'm at the point where I'm not even really into having sex with her. It's all so formulaic. Metered out according to her, allowed and approved formula. If she, she says she loves me, but inside I feel like she loves what she herself thinks of me and not who I am. Who I am is met with silence, and I'm frustrated and try not to be. I try to be solid and say what I want and let go of my expectations, but when all your ideas are vetoed, how often can you keep drawing from the well of solidness? The silent thing kills me. I can deal with anything that may come out of her mouth, but I can't do anything with silence. So then he keeps going, and he, they've, they've gone to counseling, no change, and she denies any lasting abuse or sexual history in her past. So here's, her, here's his questions. What can you do when you're consistently stonewalled in any attempt to talk about sex? That's one. So, two. How does such a person in my situation not withdraw emotionally from the one who is stonewalling? He wants to withdraw because you can understand the reality of stonewalling makes you feel a little less hurt, right? It's a little bit easier just to live parallel lives.
1: Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. And then, then number three, is there any hope? I don't want to leave my kids. I beg God to change me, to change her, to change us. Anything. Sometimes I feel his presence and comfort, but nothing I, he, I or he has ever done has mattered one bit in changing the overall situation.
1: My heart bleeds. Yes. And if we had a dime for every similar sounding email that we have gotten over the past several years, we would be pretty rich.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Because he's touching on a pretty prevalent concept. The depths right. of it and the variations of it are obviously going to differ a little bit. But the idea is something I can think of for multiple uh, emails, multiple people in my life, multiple clients that are in this exact same scenario.
1: Exactly. I it's exactly what I was going to say is I can think of so many clients through the years that bring this exact dynamic and it's not always the man clamoring for more sex or intimacy or passion or romance or energy that it's often the woman feeling as if, where did he go? Like we got married and it's like, he just zoned out and he hasn't been back since and they just don't know how to reach him. Right. Um, So I, I do also want to say, I mean, you and I had talked about this, before the show to make sure that I wasn't being too vulnerable, but I just want to empathize with those people who are feeling like the silence is killing me. Um, because I have certainly walked that path, um, over that 26 year marriage that just recently ended last year. Um, I remember probably the biggest fight we ever had was one time I asked him, how do you feel like we're doing in our relationship? and there hadn't been any tension or anything prior to then it was just a you know simple question as we're driving down the road and I'm trying to make conversation and there was silence until we pulled up into the driveway and i asked him i said did you hear the question that i asked and he said yes but i was afraid that if i said the wrong thing that it it would that 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 would be really bad and i was right. just like uh, choosing not to say anything at all was the wrong thing you could have said anything so when he said you know just i would i could do with anything that comes out of her mouth if she would just talk about what's going on that really kind of yeah like i said make my heart bleed right here's something that i want for people to consider yeah there's the typical extroversion introversion dynamic where one's a talker and one's not Um, I'm glad that he actually inserted the part about they were raised in conservative evangelical homes, because there's a lot of people that, even though I'm very supportive of of conservative evangelical homes, obviously, I mean, I came from one and and I raised my children in one. Sometimes that can be taken to such an extreme that there's such a fear and anxiety that any interest in sex would make me a bad girl. I mean, I'm sorry, but women are just given such negative messages right. about good girls don't, good girls don't, good girls don't. Right? It's really hard to shift that gear. But to the extreme, Corey, I think that we need to talk about the possibility of spectrum disorders being in some of these marriage dynamics. Okay. I certainly don't okay. think that they're in all marriages that struggle with this dynamic. Like I said, I think that a lot of them are just natural introversion and extroversion. Right. Or maybe the person who's been wanting to talk about it has just been approaching it in a really dogged way that that the other person feels pestered or whatever. But the reality is is there are a certain small percentage of people on the planet that suffer with a very silent yeah. disorder.
0: Do you do you know that percentage ish?
1: I think I believe it's two okay. percent of men.
0: Yeah, because that's one of those and things it, we gotta if we know it, we need to at least acknowledge that. So that way Right. we're informing our 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 audience better.
1: Right. It's at least 2% of men, but it's a lower percentage of women, but there are women who are on the spectrum. Sure. So,
0: and by um, define spectrum because this is I one of those things say, that not, not everybody may be up to do up with the, the psycho babble we can be uh, weeding it, wading into a little bit.
1: <laughs> exactly. I thought we better lay a foundation here before we right. um, freak people out. So, basically, um, there is an autism spectrum. And the word autism means self-focused, that they really have no other form of reference other than how they think or feel. So they assume that everybody else thinks or feels the same way that I do. And even being told that someone else feels different, that part of their brain is just not wired to understand that someone else may have different thoughts or feelings. They don't have the mirror neurons to help them look outside themselves and put themselves in another person's shoes. So when you have a marriage where one person is on the autism spectrum and there are a wide variety of places on the spectrum, we'll talk about in just a second, but the other person is not, it's called a neurodiverse marriage. Okay. So you've got an autistic spouse and a neurotypical spouse, and it's a recipe for such calamity or disaster or just devastation and disappointment because – a person on the autism spectrum, their greatest need is time, space, and distance. Just don't expect anything emotional out of me. Because when the spouse comes at them, and it's not everybody in their world, they can deal with coworkers mm-hmm. or even children just fine. But the most intimate relationship, the spouse relationship, that's where they really suffer. That when the spouse needs something from them emotionally or, or intimately, it literally feels as if they're being held underwater, Okay. They will literally feel as if their brain is being suffocated, but then you have the person on the neurotypical side that their greatest need is closeness and connection. They were wired, you know, kind of like babies come out of the womb needing to be held and looked at and eye contact and caressed and com- comforted. We never lose that desire as neurotypical human beings, but people who are born on the autism on, on the autism the on the autism spectrum that they don't always feel that social or emotional. Right. In fact, they, they just really prefer to be loners. And so you can imagine how a person whose greatest need is time, space and distance married to a person whose greatest need is closest in connection. You've got a huge standoff. Sure. And so much confusion and bewilderment. And so, as I mentioned there, uh, there's on, it's a spectrum. So on that spectrum, there are people who are, you know, to one end, Or the other as far as extremes. Um, And many people suffer with Asperger's, which is a form of autism where they're highly functional. They're actually brilliant. They're geniuses in some right. They have a freight train brain. Mm -hmm. They obsess over a particular field of study. And they are truly geniuses in that field of study. But because that part of their brain was supercharged, there's another part of their brain that was compromised. And that's usually the emotional and social part. And that's the part behind the right ear. Right. You can actually have this diagnosed by having a brain map done by a neurotherapist. Um, and I highly recommend that if people are wondering why can, why is there so much silence between us? Why is there such a discomfort when it comes to all things deeply emotional or relational or intimate or sexual, that could very well be the explanation. But Corey, can I tell you why people shouldn't, um, absolutely panic over this concept that if if they suspect that that might be the case. Sure. Well, here's the thing. A lot of uh, couples who are, or a lot of individuals who are neurotypical, they have been angry for years. I mean, you can hear it in his emails. You can hear it in his words. Mm -hmm. They've been angry for years thinking their spouse won't connect with me. Why won't my spouse connect with me? What's wrong with me? And it's very, very stressful. But when you learn that your spouse is on the spectrum all of a sudden, it's a completely different story, and mm-hmm. you realize that anger is completely inappropriate. It would be like being angry at a child for not listening to you when they're deaf, and you realize that, oh, anger isn't appropriate. Compassion is a more appropriate response, and there are some great books out there that will help couples get on the same page and uh, help the autistic person understand what their neurotypical spouse actually needs and even teaching them how to just go through some basic motions that Mm -hmm. will communicate a lot to the spouse, even if it doesn't mean anything to you, but also teaching the neurotypical spouse how to read and understand and comprehend what their autistic spouse is saying or what they are needing. And so there are books to help you communicate across the lines. I'll just go ahead and say that the best one out there, in my opinion is Dr. Eva Mendez's book, um, Marriage and Lasting Relationships with Asperger's. Okay. And there's a great book for spouses called Life with the Asperger Sufferer. Uh, but the main book is, or the main title is called Going Over the Edge. And that's by Dr. Kathy Marshak. Okay. And there are lots of other Reese's out, resources out there. Ugh. Reese's. I'm obviously wanting a Reese's peanut butter cup right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that chocolate I ate at the conference last week. There are lots of resources out there don't panic, just learn all that you can. Right. But here's the big secret you both have to acknowledge this possibility and research it and get a diagnosis because if you're just going to live in denial and there's not an accurate diagnosis and a game plan as to how you can connect with one another, it's doomed for failure. Okay. And I say that to both spouses, those sure. the ones who want to be silent and the ones who really want the conversation you both have to be willing to dive deep and figure out what do we really have here what are we working with here so the the expectations can be adjusted and new tactics and strategies for connection can be learned
0: okay i agree but i think we also both have to acknowledge that it's a small percentage that's actually on the scale so there's also there's also a systemic issue going on yes that, yes. that, that This also, is a normal thing of married life just to right. a exacerbated degree.
1: Right, right. This this is an extreme. I mean, in yes. all the years that I've been coaching, I've identified, I believe, 14 couples, but that's you know, compared to hundreds of couples that I've worked with. And I will also say that men are usually a little easier to spot on the spectrum. Right. Women can kind of fly under the radar because for a woman to be married to a man who doesn't want to talk, doesn't want to connect, doesn't have a lot of social and emotional needs, she's going to feel starved because that is a woman's greatest need is, is emotional connection. But for a man to be married to a woman who doesn't have a lot of deep emotional needs, he's usually thinking, woohoo, you know, like she's low maintenance. Great. But when it comes to topics like sex, I can see where his frustration might come from. And I'm not diagnosing Peter in any way, shape or form. We can't do that through email or, and and that's,
0: and that's where I want to be very careful that, Right. This is part of the part of what we want to do with this episode is we w- the subject needs to at least be addressed because we've not ever talked about it. We've hinted at the idea of sex and mental issues of right. with ADD, ADHD, Asperger's, uh, autism, bipolar, depression. I mean, there's a lot of different things Borderline, in the medication. All, yeah. And yeah, so the, the medications disorders. that that are a part of that and how that impacts married life and sex and all that. So this is one of the subjects that, that's worth at least spending a little bit of time on, and this is a great way to frame it. But I think we also have to be very, very careful, Shannon, that, that we are saying this is just to inform, not diagnose, not exactly. say this is what's going on, um, largely just to let the information kind of resonate and percolate a little bit and start to see, right. okay, is this something that's worth exploring more? But we also need to come at it from the other, other perspective this a
1: neurotypical marriage right, that's
0: saying, This they is got a completely yeah, different problem. It's saying, Welcome to married life because mm-hmm. this is what marriage is. This stuff is revealed, this stuff is exposed. On, we're both challenged and pressured in marriage, as far as both spouses. You know, Peter and his wife are both being challenged to confront intimacy, to confront self revelations and self disclosures and connection. And so, that's what marriage does. That's what sex right. does. And so some of it is is worth exploring in that lens because it's it's something we've got to start to realize. I mean, what I hear when I'm when I'm reading through um, Peter's email is I hear interwoven through all of this is the issue of a reflected sense of self.
1: Yes, that's what he, he's that's not what, feeling good about himself. That's what they're both struggling
0: with. That's what she's struggling. Yep, she's struggling with that too. That Mm -hmm. I don't want – I've got a reflected sense of self in reverse in that I don't want to have to deal with the intimate connection to a deeper degree, which all of us face because we all have a level of I'm too close. And so I figure out ways to sabotage and get away and close it down or stonewall it or whatever because I'm not comfortable going there.
1: But stonewalling is one of Gottman's four horsemen of the apocalypse, right?
0: It is, but we all stonewall, and that's one of the things I want to at least point out. We all withdraw in some way, shape, or form in issues. We we all every single person does it. Yes, it's the idea. I mean, because some of us. I mean, my my mo is I will make light of it, crack jokes, get people laughing. Whenever it gets too tense, I'll I'll come up. I can always have something funny to say, and sometimes that makes the show really good right? I'll have Mm -hmm. the, I'll have the right comment that people are like, Oh, that was, well, that was funny. I'm laughing at that, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) but, but part of that, the need is I'm uncomfortable with the tension. I'm uncomfortable with the depth. I'm uncomfortable with the exposure. And so I need to switch the subject a little bit. And that's stonewalling. If you think about it,
1: I hadn't thought about it in that way, but I can see how it's right. It's, it's a, a comical stonewall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me make you laugh
1: so you don't keep coming at me. It is.
0: And so, Some of it is we've got to frame this under the under the lens that this is the idea because he's you know, Peter has a couple of different statements that jump out to me that he makes the comment of the three to four times a month is her chosen amount that makes her still feel like an attentive wife. Right. So that's he's reading her as sex is all about making sure she plays the role of good wife. She's,
1: she's doing the minimum to right. pacify.
0: Right. It's all right. about and, pleasing him. There times
1: where you put one quarter into one of those little gumball machines outside the grocery store and you ex- you expect one gumball. But those times when you get two gumballs and you only put one quarter in, that's always a you know cool day. <laughs> I think a lot of people in marriage really want you know yeah. a, an occasional really cool uh, above and beyond type of experience where it's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. That's cool. That's great. That makes you feel really desired by your partner. And that's right. what I hear you're saying is I don't feel desired yep. by my
0: partner. Right. So that means you got to start looking deeper into, okay, what really is the definition of feeling desired, feeling wanted. You know, because he's saying the formula that they have, it's metered out according to her allowed and approved formula. You know, that's 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 another reading of her. That's his mapping her brain is what he's what he's coming from. And then she says she loves me, but I feel like she loves herself what what she herself thinks of me, not who I am. So that's the where I'm going to land on the reflected sense of self. Because she's reading her perception of him and he's saying that's not accurate okay okay
1: because you think that she's pretending that he isn't unhappy and that these are just words come out of his mouth with well, no
0: real meaning attached? no I, I don't think that's uh, it's not necessarily that it's because think about it how many marriages do you think of that we've that we've had emails come through or clients in our offices that um if you look at their marriage as a pie, a majority of it is really good. They do life really well together. They parent well. They they manage a household well. There's just that one pie of sex that's not what one of them wants it to be. The other one's right. usually okay with it. Like I'm completely satisfied with the way, and that's usually the lower desire. So that makes it easier for our own integrity to say, no, marriage is good, even though deep down they know... Uh my, my spouse is not happy. And so they don't want to deal with that because that means they have to confront their own role in that level of unhappiness.
1: So you think that Peter's wife would probably say, oh yeah, we have an active sex life because she's thinking we have sex every week. Sure, And he's thinking we only have sex once a week.
0: Right. Well, what I'm hearing him say is, stories. what I'm hearing him say is we have functional level sex. It gets the job done. We do not have connective level sex, right? And part of the reason is because Peter and I'm going to call you straight out on this with your reflected sense of self. If you think she's reading um, what she thinks of you as fact, you've got to teach her other way. Otherwise, by the way you confront that, not you, hey, yeah. let me make sure you this is a disparity. It's just no, I've got to live different.
1: I've right.
0: got you to teach live, people how to yeah, treat you. I've got to live Peter 2.0, mm-hmm. not Peter 1.0. Mm-hmm. And that's where we start running into our own crucible and our own struggle with intimacy is when you're stonewalled about sex, when you're stonewalled about issues in your marriage, you really are then facing what do I want to do with this? What, what, what can I do with this? And my counsel is always coming back to the same concept of I have to keep living and keeping the pressure towards what I see married life is, towards what I see the struggle is. Let's go back to the example you gave earlier of you asked Greg a question and he didn't answer for however long the drive home was. And then you're like, hold on, did you hear it? And he's like, yeah, but I didn't know. I would say he answered the question. By not answering the question. That's an answer. Right? Silence mm. is an answer. <laughs> so it's like Ooh. now what do I want to do with that? That's the struggle. That's my crucible. Because most of the time it does get into if I could just know where you're coming from, I can start to adjust. Because I don't want to face, all right, I really know where you're coming from. You're saying mm. to me you're not in this. You don't care because your your silence, and this is take out of the take out of the equation. The times in life where we're trying to have a conversation, but we both have other things going on and it's legitimate that we may not have hurt each other, you know, because yeah. we got other stuff going on and I say something and it, it's totally distracted. She, yeah, Pam just yeah. totally missed it. Um, but it, it's on the times where we do have a connection in the sense of we're, you know, this captive audience. You're in the car, you're right beside each other. There's no radio on. Right. So it's pretty right. obvious. He's not focused that much on the road that he didn't. He's tuned you out completely because you're not in gridlock traffic going 500 I miles was an driving. hour. Right? Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, but it is the answer was an answer. It's just mm. not one that's pleasant to think about and have to then right. explore what do I do with this? And that's the struggle, I think, most of the time in married life. We get to those points, and we don't want to face it either. So we accept their stonewalling. We allow it by just, okay, well, you've just told me that subject's off limits. No, if it's not off limits to me, then i got to keep bringing it up.
1: Mm. Yeah, I can see how a person would be really overwhelmed by that instruction, though, especially when, like I remember Peter saying, you know, I yeah, I ask God to change her, change me, right. change us. He doesn't want to leave the kids. Like no. when you have all that bonding you together, this is not just a matter of by golly, I'm gonna stand up for what you know, for no, what's sure. my right as a spouse or anything. That there's just so many negative ripple effects that come with any decision to really teach someone how to treat you to yep. the extent that if they don't give you what you feel like you want or need, then you'd be willing to walk. Yeah. Like that that's a that's no, and,
0: a, Yeah. And this is not at all counsel. Yeah. I, this is not at all counsel of, okay, well, that means you just got to get out. Or that means like we talked about earlier, you need to go get a diagnosis to make clear, because even if you get a diagnosis and you're on the spectrum, you still got some decisions to make.
1: You still got lots of work <laughs> right? to do. It oh, changes,
0: yeah. it changes the, 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 the premise, but you still are faced with what you're facing. Right. So it's looking at this through the lens of, I think all of us, tell me if you agree with this, Shannon. Would you say that the human population is intimacy averse?
1: In some ways. <laughs> I think that in some ways we constantly crave it and we're always looking for it, but we use a lot of substitutes to medicate yep. the pain. The, I think, yeah,
0: No, I think we all want it. I, I I fully believe we all want it to some very. I think depth. All
1: neurotypical people want it.
0: Now I'm going to say even non-neurotypical people want it. They, it. The way they get go at it looks different, though.
1: Okay. It's okay. just it's yeah. a different part of their
0: brain that they're seeking it with. I'll. I'll right. Because I I don't believe in pathology. That's just kind of I, it's pathology in my field has become too easy as a way out to explain things. So I I don't I go to, I, my 180 degrees from crazy is just not even acknowledge it and that's i'll acknowledge that (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) that's you know that's just real um but it's it's the idea that i think we all want it we all seek it to varying degrees but when we get it it scares us to death and so then we get to an extreme where it's like now i gotta push away from it and i gotta maintain myself
1: like donald miller's latest book scary Close. Mm -hmm. The whole concept of when you get really close to another human being, it is, it's very scary, Yep. but it's equally as scary to feel as if you crave that and need that. And so desperately want that and can't get close.
0: Yep. No, I, that
1: is, that is another kind of scary.
0: Yep. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, and it's, let's make this a two-parter. What do you think?
1: I was going to say, yeah. I think looking at the time, we need yeah. to dive into this again. No, absolutely. Because I don't think that we really answered no, we have Peter's not. question. I know there's going to be a lot of other listeners who are like, but what do I do?
0: <laughs> well, come in, tune in next week. <laughs> <Because Yeah>. the, <laughs> well, when let's we break un- the
1: silence let's about if silence that. is
0: killing you. <laughs> right. Let's unpack that more because, and let, this is a tease of where I think we need to go, um, that there's two fundamental life forces we have, separateness and togetherness. And when we get closer to somebody else all of a sudden our separateness is in jeopardy because they're pressuring us to conform to their way of life and i may not want to do life the way they do so i'm trying to now maintain myself and so that's the pressures of what i think marriage and the system of it is is designed for and so then it starts to look at how do i confront this pressure better and so peter my my thought right now before we you know something to help you for this until we bridge the gap till next week is spend some time looking at how much eye contact do you guys have throughout the week? Just the normal day in, day out situation. Try to increase your side of the eye contact, not saying anything with it. Just catch your eyes more. See if that shifts some things, because I think that's a that's big a great place to start. It's a big window to eye start shifting. Eye contact
1: is huge. It's a basic human need. It from is. Babyhood on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the continued conversation, Corey.
0: Yeah, this is kind of an interesting way just to kind of shut it down, but we're going to shut it down. Uh, be right. We're going to let everybody get and, on
1: to work. And if you think about
0: it, I guess we're kind of doing exactly what the struggle is. It's just when we're getting a little close. Now I'm going to pull back.
1: We're going to go silent for a week. <laughs>
0: so, so this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. We'll see you next time.
1: We love you for listening.